Good day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to our second episode of Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia. Our theme for Series 6, taking the Australian ecosystem from good to great, continues with two more interviews. First, we take a look at one of the newest VC firms in Australia, the CSIRO-backed Main Sequence Ventures, and tour Australia's investments in deep tech with partner Mike Nichols. Then we're joined by SBE Australia's Sue Hogan in a new segment for Series 6, where we detail all of the many incubators and accelerators available to startup entrepreneurs in Australia. Good to great on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by MYOB. Running a startup is pretty cool, but doing the books isn't. MYOB makes it easier. For your free trial, visit myob.com twista. Twista is also sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by engaging, inspiring, and connecting driven students. If you'd like to mentor, invest in, or support our startups, email startups at uts.edu.au. Australia's great institutions. Few are more respected than the CSIRO. Everyone knows Wi-Fi was invented there and plastic banknotes and extended wear contact lenses and even their famous diet. All of Australian creativity is somehow summed up in the CSIRO. But how much of that creativity becomes the innovative businesses that transform the Australian economy? For years, we've talked about the gap between our ability to innovate and our ability to commercialize. If you've created something very clever but can't sell what you've done, you've really only finished half the job. And that's where Main Sequence Ventures comes in, the first CSIRO venture capital fund. It aims to bridge the gap between deep tech, and more about that in a moment, and Australia's deep reserves of capital and business expertise. With us to talk about the challenges and the opportunities of deep tech is one of the general partners at Main Sequence Ventures, Mike Nichols. Mike, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan for a long time. Thank you. So what is deep tech? Let's just start with defining that. Um, Look, I guess it's uh, the question is what isn't it as well? Um, Typically, we're not going after SaaS businesses per se. Um, Typically, we're looking for things that have a much harder scientific bar to pass uh, Mm -hmm. or higher engineering bar to pass. Um, You know, we're looking at things like quantum computing. We're looking at things like semiconductor manufacturing. We're looking at things like um, video compression, things that uh, have a higher technical bar than you might get out of your average startup. So something where it's probably based on a research that was done for a PhD thesis or research that's come out of one of the university labs. So, so typically we've got a, a brief, if you like, or a mandate to help fund 
businesses or startups that have either one spun out of a university or a public research organisation like one of the CRCs or CSIRO itself um, or one of the many government um, uh, funded organisations. So they're either spun out of that or they have they're a, a startup that is actually collaborating with one of those organisations and looking to transfer IP out or looking to actually um, uh, supercharge their business by adding some public research to solve a particular business problem they might have. Okay, so that's a fairly wide net, but yeah, if you're talking net. about all research, are you talking? Are you investing in biology? Are you investing just in what we would think of as classic so, high technology? Or so we're 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 doing obviously the engineering things. Um, we are doing some limited biotech. Uh, we sort of have a joke a joke internally that we don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> where you know, there's a couple of players in the market already that have the skills in that space that we don't have. Uh, but typically, you know. There'll be engineering, hard engineering problems. There'll be, um, um, you know, for example, we've invested in a quantum computing company mm-hmm. that's not building a classical quantum computer. It's building software and hardware around controlling a quantum computer. So I've heard it described as they're building the firmware. This is Q-Control, right. right? Yeah, that's right. So they're building the firmware that actually helps um, uh, stop qubits from um, decohering. Okay, so and there's a, a, there's a whole bunch of deep science behind that. But, yeah. of course, you know, in brief for the listeners, you know, quantum computers use these things called qubits, these quantum bits. And the problem with qubits is they tend to last in the range of nanoseconds. Yeah, exactly. So not very long at all. And the power of them, a quantum computer will only come together when you have a, enough of them that can all stay without decohering to provide, you know, a computing solution. And so... Um, uh, the professor out of the university is actually creating that. Michael Biercheck is creating um, the control system that actually helps solve that problem. So if he cracks that problem, then he's cracked a sort of fundamental, a fundamental I mean, that, issue. That's it's it, the it equivalent. Probably the fundamental issue. It's the equivalent of the transistor with respect to the semiconductor computer, well. right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, 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 then, so that's one one aspect. So but these then, are, but but I mean, that's literally a moonshot right there. If he gets that right, and he might not be the only folks that get it right, but if he gets that right, that's literally a moonshot style business. It is, yeah, yeah. So, is that kind of uh, okay? But having said that, yes. he's much closer to revenue than you might think he might be. So. Um, that's another scenario. So, yeah. So those are, that's an example. Other examples: uh, we invested in a company called Morse Micro, which is building Wi-Fi that can do up to a kilometre range. Um, so typical Wi-Fi might do fifty to one hundred metres on a good day. Um, this will do won't do quite the same speed, but it will do up to a kilometre in range. Now, typically that will be for things like um, IoT devices, yeah, so sensors and sensors, video cameras. Yeah. Okay, so you've got a video camera you want to put out on the front of your house, um, at, you know, at the front of a property. It's not probably not a big problem in, in you know, trendy in this suburban city where your front gate is five feet away from your um, from your your house, your front door. But if you've got, you know, a, a property where you're, you know, 50 metres or whatever it might be, or you're in an industrial complex yeah. or you're in a city precinct yeah. and you want to be able to run a video camera for surveillance video... You think about the problem. Let's just say we're Sydney County Council or Sydney Council. We want to put um, cameras in Martin Place. Mm-hmm. So I've got to get power mm-hmm. and I've got to get a trusted network mm-hmm. that I own mm-hmm. onto a bunch of buildings that I don't own. Mm-hmm. How can I do that? Mm-hmm. 
it's an almost you know it's a really difficult you know facilities management problem because you've got to go and sign leases with people to do that. But if you've got a, a video um, a chip that can give you up to one kilometre range, um, you know, from video camera to a base station, that problem solved. Okay. Does that make sense? It, so it, it totally then it's does. just a power problem, and that's not so bad. But it, and it, again, it's another technology that if you solve it well literally is a foundation for a whole new generation of, of different kinds of applications where we yeah. might be using mobile broadband for yeah. that. We wouldn't need to use mobile broadband. We'd be using Wi-Fi. I, I could see in this case, this could also be a metro internet play. If we can get this well, exactly. onto, um, uh, for example, onto base stations, uh, onto um, access points, and then we can get it into the phone chipset, that's an alternative to having to spend, you know, the horrendous amount of money you have to spend to get gigabytes of data off your favourite telco. So. All right. So, so we have a series of places, and both of these are main sequence investments? Yes. Yeah. So how many investments have you folks made so We've far? We've officially made nine. There's a couple more that are on the runway about to take off. Okay. And yep. you've been around for, what is it, about 18 months? Not even that. We did our first investment, I think it was September last year. Okay, and that's not bad because most funds certainly sit and think very hard for the first year before they make any placements. Yeah, look, you know, we, we put it this way, we've all been in the industry for a long time. And so um, the three other partners are? Four, four partners in total, yeah. Uh, Bill Barty, Martin Dersma, um, Phil Moore, and Mike Zimmerman. Okay. Phil's been on the show. I think Bill's been on this show at one point. Yeah. You're on the show, but I'm going to need to get uh, Mike. Yeah, and who's, who's and the... Martin Dersma. Uh, oh, that's right, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, we basically helped, you know, I guess, build, for want of a better term, the, um, the CSIRO on Accelerator program, which mm -hmm. is basically a program that brings together, over the course of the three years it's been running, it's brought together hundreds of academic teams from all the universities around the country, not just CSIRO. Um, so we helped basically form that. Um, Phil ran it for a couple of sessions. We, you know, basically. So when you form them, though, you're going to be working with people who have deep technology but don't have any sales or business experience. So how do you bootstrap this is them the into that? Problem. And so the, the CSRO on Accelerator has a, a program that's been built, you know, put together by, you know, the, our team was involved in the initial sort of one that got put together, but it's been enhanced since that time. Right. Um, that helps take people from being academic researchers into entrepreneurial. Whereas this is a brain transplant operation. I mean, <laughs> but this is the thing. When you encounter people who have a research background, they're hungry for publications, but they aren't hungry for sales. They aren't hungry for profits generally. Yeah, and you know my approach on sales. You know, for the listeners <laughs> out there, um, Mark and I have both collaborated on the um, on Incubate um, out of Sydney University, the incubator there, and sales is my hot button. Um, look, here's the thing, though. The, the, the scientist is not that different to the entrepreneur. They're both experimenters, okay? So they both run experiments. They're used to running experiments. They're yeah. used to failing in those. Yeah. It's not an unusual, you know, situation for the entrepreneur either. Right. And so we, we believe that the scientist has the potential to be, you know, a, a good um, entrepreneur if we can, we can change that mindset. The problem, problem that the scientists or the engineer often has is that they want to go to perfection on the um, on, they don't, on the They tech. don't know when to say, okay, actually, that's good enough. We've got to take this out. And so we've got to actually change that very early in the piece. And the first thing in the first couple of days is get out of a building. And if you've ever seen this happen, if you've got sort of 20, 30 teams and you say, right, you have to get out of a building and actually go physically find one of your prospects. 
physically find one. If you can't find one, get on the phone and get out and actually see them. And so that automatically in the first couple of days of a program, in fact, if that was in the first day of a program, it changes the mindset completely. It's like, what, we've got to speak to a customer? <laughs> really? <laughs> what do they look Should like? Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, when you explain to them that look, we, we can't fund you unless you can work out how to make this a really big business. And if you want funding and you want to see this live and you want to turn it into an entrepreneurial venture, then this is the bar, this is where you need to be. You need to have a shot at being able to make $100 million a year in revenue instead of year five to seven. So it's got to be a big opportunity. Okay, so you basically now have a funnel that's as wide as all of Australia's research universities. You know, it's all of the sandstones, all of the second tiers, all of the technical universities, plus the various technical organizations. Plus NESMEs that collaborate with them. So we've got a very active industry engagement um, uh, program. Right. Um, there's one called Kickstart where, for any of the listeners out there, you can actually um, uh, apply for a $50,000 grant to get Syro to help you with a technical problem that you've got. Um, and so that's actually pretty, pretty yeah. attractive feeder as well. And so... We've got access to that, but then also, for example, you'll find the Morse Micro um, guys. They were in the um, co-sponsored incubator or, or workspace that Cisco and Syro, two very closely um, sounding, what do you call it, acronyms? Or not acronyms. Um, one but, company um, invented Wi-Fi. One company made a few hundred billion dollars yeah, off exactly of Wi-Fi. Right. And so um, they were sponsoring the, the innovation hub, and Morse was actually um, uh, was residing in the hub, and Syro ended up doing some via Data sixty one ended up doing some prototyping work for their first sort of test bit, and so you know you get that scenario where they've collaborated, you know they're working with one of our one of our um, our research teams, they're bringing some of the IP along with them, and so you know they ended up now having basically the grandfathers of Wi-Fi on that team right. um, consulting to them. And so they've got three out of the original four or five people that actually did the fast Wi-Fi, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Okay, so you, you can see how the elements are going to come together to be able to connect smart people to smart money to smart business skills. You can see how that will work. Do we have enough of a push from the various research organizations to sort of get the scientists thinking in these terms? Or are these research organizations really just encouraging them to sort of do what they've always done well, which is to write papers and get grants? Look, you know, I, I think certainly I'm seeing a, a change in some of the research organizations. Um, you know, we recently visited Monash and today we, we spent a whole day out at UNSW um, and they're keen to you know, to, to help spin out startups, um, and now some of them have metrics around that as well. Um, but you can't make, you know, that's you know, we always joke about, you know, if you want, you know, if you want um, to herd cats, you've got to move a food bowl. Right. But in the case of them, they're actually moving their own food bowl. They're actually pretty um, pro trying to spin where it's appropriate to spin the technology out. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't make the engineer or the scientist entrepreneurial. They've got to have that spark. Yeah. And you might, you know, today we sat through presentations and I would say maybe 25% of the people that presented to us had the spark. And that's okay because I don't expect 100% to have it. No. And you, you find that one or two real winners. And I saw some, we saw, one of the coolest things I've seen for a while today, I saw a robotic um, uh, 
uh, grip pad, for right. a better term. So in other words, a big problem with robotics, if you're trying to do anything that's not like a hard surface, not like a, um, uh, you know, I'm going to drill something, I'm going to move something or whatever, if you're trying to pick up an apple or you're trying problem. to pick up a piece of fruit, robots have no ability yes. to sense pressure. Yes. They're not very good at They're sensing good pressure at or friction. Yeah. These people have a solution for that problem. And so, again, this is another solution that if they get that to work, that transforms robotics, like completely it transforms robotics. It does transform robot robotics. And in my mind, they also had the, the missing link in that the two members of the three-person team that I saw both seemed extremely entrepreneurial and keen to go. So, Well, and this is exactly the moment in robotics to go entrepreneurial because oh, yeah. it's, it's so fundamental. Yeah. All right, let's, let's take this forward a little bit. So we've got main sequence today. Main sequence was set up with $100 million, was it? Yeah, correct. And was that from the CSIRO? It was or part was government it? money, part CSIRO money, uh, part Wi-Fi money, actually. Um, so oh, so some of the patent money from yeah, the Wi-Fi correct. patent. Oh, there's, there's, there's your invention dollars at work being reinvested yep. for the yep. nation. That's, That's right. really great. It's uh, you know, rather sort of like a homecoming is actually investing in Morse because, right. you know, Wi-Fi money went back in to help fund you know, the company. The next, the next generation of Wi-Fi happened. All right. So and you so have $100 million that you're now going through to invest in. Presumably, this is all sort of Series A-ish placements in these we, companies look, we, so we're, far? We're not hard and fast about the stage. Um, you know, we've, you know, we'll do as little as 250, right. um, up to 5 million. Um, so really know, angel, high, high angel levels all the way up to sort of a normal Series A level. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, you know, what is a normal Series A level now is a question because they seem to be going a bit mental overseas at the moment. But, um, but here, in, here in sensible Australia, I think we yeah. can say that $5 million Five is a reasonable is Series, Series A. a. Yeah. Having said that, there's been a bunch that are a lot higher for their Series A recently. But um, so um, we, you know, we, we are happy to start talking to researchers and companies before they're even ready to raise funds. And in the case of um, two deals that we're, we're three deals that we're doing, um, one that we've announced, two that we're about to do, we've been talking to these people for a couple of years and we've been helping them through the process of working out how to get that commercialised. Right. And so in some cases, and you know this from our experiences at Sydney Uni, I've been out talking to the researcher for six months, 12 months before they even came into the incubator, let alone created a company. And so we're happy to do that early spade work, so to speak, um, that it, it's, it, it's a lot of work but it takes and it takes a lot of time, but we're happy to actually put some effort in 6, 12, 18 months in advance of where they're actually ready. And it's a different conversation too, so right? that, But that makes you different than other VCs who basically all wanna, only want to see you at the moment you're ready to be invested yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. You're ready to say, actually, okay, now let's put you on a runway that will make you a good Here's target for investment. Here's what you need investment. to do to get to that. Yeah. And, and the conversation is quite different to when um, somebody comes to me and says, I need your advice versus I need you, you know, I'm, I'm pitching you for a million dollars or five or whatever. I've got a different expectation and I'm happy to sit down and, and have a conversation. And, you know, quite frequently I'm downstairs in the startup hub and I'll, I'll sit in one of the booths and I'm happy to have anybody come and have a conversation with me about their business, you know. Okay. SMS me or, or message me on Twitter or whatever. I'm quite active on the Twitters. Um, so, you know, come and have a chat with me. You know, I'm happy to have that, that conversation. You don't have to be on a raising path right now. You don't have to be out trying to look for money right this moment. If you want some advice, come and see me. And so, you know, at least once a week, I've got a couple of hours spare where I'm happy to take that, that call or have that, that conversation. 
Um, one of the other companies we invested in was a company called Coview, Coview that came out of um, uh, Data61, mm-hmm. which provides a video conferencing application primarily for telehealth. And so it's a really slick, easy to use. Um, you don't need to load a, um, uh, what do you call it, a plug-in or anything like right. that. Um, and I use that for people to be able to dial in from interstate or wherever it might be. So we're happy to have those conversations really early and more than happy to, you know, to point them on the right path. And so that was part of what we did today too. We gave that feedback to about eight teams of where we think they should go and what they should do. So where do you see main sequence, say, two to three years from now? I mean, will you have given out your entire fund at that point? Will you be well, sort so of nursing, we, nursing one the One of the investments? things that, about the original fund is that, um, you know, it was $100 million to start with, but we're raising. And so we've been raising for nine months, and we should have some, some news about that in the next couple of, you know, next six to eight weeks. Um, and so the aim is to be, you know, an over 200 million in total. Um, but in four to five years, you know, we, we would like to see this as an evergreen scenario. I mean, they would be separate funds, so but be we, cashing want, we out would want to keep, yeah. um, you know, perhaps rotating the CIRO money, but for, you know, the outside LPs, hopefully they'll come again with us. You know, hopefully we'll have some great results from them and we'll be able to, um, to recycle. I mean, you've got the one. government as an LP now, which is interesting too, because they, they want things that they can announce. Like, oh, we've helped fund these businesses that have produced all of these jobs in the economy, yeah. which is slightly different from what a, a limited partner is looking for, which is, you know, are you giving me my 20% yeah, let, return? Let, let's be really clear here. We are a VC fund and we have a, a, a duty to our, our LPs to make a return. And we're very, very focused on that. So we might have a government imperative about what we're trying to do, but you can be absolutely assured that we're being, you know, we're measuring ourselves on, on, on you know, investing in businesses that are going to provide a big bang, a big return. Big bang. Perfect way to end the conversation <laughs> with Mike Nichols from Main Sequence Ventures. Mike, thank you very much for being on This Week in Startups Australia. Uh, my pleasure. It's been a fantastic time. Thank you. MYOB saves businesses time, helps improve cash flow, gets invoices paid faster, gives real-time visibility of profit and loss, and makes payroll easy. With MYOB, you can create, send, and track customized invoices. This is awesome because Australian businesses can wait on average 43 days to get paid. With MYOB, your clients can pay you directly from your invoices. People who use the MYOB online invoicing solution get paid four times faster. MYOB software will let you know when you've been paid and then update the accounts. You don't have to lift a finger. MYOB's online solutions make pay runs quick and easy, ensuring all your tax and super payments are compliant with the Australian Tax Office. You can save half a day every month on processing employees' pay. MYOB's mobile app means you can create a quote on the job, send invoices straight from the app, even get paid on the same day you invoice. 1.2 million businesses in Australia and New Zealand use MYOB. Startups, sole traders, small businesses, all the way up to companies with hundreds of staff. Whatever your stage or size, MYOB has the solution for you. Twista listeners will get a free 30-day trial and the first 50 people to sign up will also get $100 cash. Go to myob.com slash twista for your free trial today. Every time I turn around, 
I hear about another group creating their own incubator or accelerator, and I have to admit, I've lost track. Now, this is actually a good sign. It's a sign of a healthy startup ecosystem. But it also means that some of these great efforts will get lost in the noise. To remedy that, we're introducing a new segment that will run for the whole length of Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia, in which the people running these incubators and accelerators will spruik their own programs in their own words. To kick things off, I'd like to welcome Sue Hogan from SBE Australia. So, Sue, what's SBE and what are you up to? Thanks, Mark. So, SBE Australia um, is probably best known for running our Springboard Enterprises US Accelerator programs, which we've been doing now for the tech sector for uh, just over six years. We've also piloted our Life Sciences um, Accelerator program just this year. And I'm sure that there are some of your audience who would have come to see the Dolphin Tank event, which we did last week, um, which was the culmination at the end of eight weeks of those programs um, and was a fantastic night where we had 11 founders pitch for us. Um, but once we had realised what was happening with our accelerator program, which is really about later stage female founders um, who have scalable, um, globally scalable businesses, we realised that there was a bit of a gap in the market for those founders that do have a minimum viable product but aren't quite ready for the accelerator program. So with that, we started our E3 um, program last year. E3 is all about um, empower, evolve, escalate. Um, so we piloted the program in Sydney and Melbourne last year and this year we're rolling out in Sydney, Melbourne and our first regional program in Wagga. So we've got um, programs starting in Term 3 which we've got applications open for now. Um, so any female founders uh, doesn't just have to be tech focused, it's industry agnostic that have a minimum viable product in market and are just really looking to grow a more sustainable business business with really strong foundations, build their confidence, get ready for um, investor, you know, be investor ready. We really encourage them to sign up now. Applications are on the website. Um, it's a bit.ly link, um, capital E3, capital P for program. Um, so go to the website, sbastraya.org. You can find the details there and um, get your applications in. Entrepreneurship. It's the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. With almost half of UTS students wanting to create their own jobs or start their own companies, equipping students with the tools to become entrepreneurs has become critical to their success. With over half of the nation's tech startups, Sydney's leadership and strength as Australia's largest startup ecosystem requires a steady, well-supported pipeline of entrepreneurial talent. Working at the heart of such a vibrant ecosystem, UTS plays a critical role inspiring and connecting thousands of talented students into that pipeline. UTS is committed to ensuring a thriving and growing base for the startup sector, investing heavily in this future today for Australia's tomorrow. Get in touch. Startups at uts.edu.au to find out more. We get very cynical about government, particularly at the federal level where it seems so far away and out of touch with our needs. 
but Australia is actually really good at building federal-scale organizations, such as the CSIRO or AFTRS, organizations that contribute meaningfully to the health and wealth of the nation. They're not really flashy, so they tend to be ignored by politicians unless there's a ribbon to cut on a new facility. But the work they do in the background, that work is fundamental and it's long-lasting. Main sequence is a recognition that science can and should have commercial outcomes. Those outcomes don't drive the science, but they offer a path for that science to generate benefit. And without that, science is always playing a begging game. And for that reason, main sequence is a game changer. If you listen to Mike Nichols, as he was talking, he was talking about technologies that, even if they're only partially realized, will change the game, rewrite the books, offer new foundations for new generations of amazing startups. That's what we're looking for. That's the kind of way Australia goes from good to great. Big thanks to Twister sponsors MYOB and UTS. Their support makes this podcast possible. Thanks to the studio at the Sydney Startup Hub for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Thanks to Sue Hogan for coming and pitching SBE Australia. And huge props to Mike Nichols for filling in for a missing guest on 20 minutes notice. We've rebuilt and relaunched our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows. It's got all the interviews. It's got all the photos. It's got all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back in a week gazing into the future of Australia's creative technology industries with the studio's managing director, Chantal Abouchel. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening for This Week in Startups Australia.